have to say, it is an awesome privilege always to come and preach, give God's word to you guys. So thank you. I think James was going to preach on this topic, probably got scared. And I was really excited about it because I didn't have to sit there and go like that. (laughs) So tonight I'm talking about true circumcision. That's why James passed it to me. It's much easier for me to stand here and talk about it. But um, as I start, I'm going to need a volunteer. So, isn't that, isn't that pretty? That's a real sword. It's super real. It's not even plastic. It's actually real. It was given to Andy when he, uh, where are you? Yeah, it was given to Andy when we got married. Uh, where is Andy? He's not even here. It was given to Andy uh, at his ordination at Barara Baptist Church as a, a symbol of the word of God, sword. Yeah. So no, I don't need Micah and Caleb. You can rest easy. I don't need you as volunteers. <laughs> now, there is two different types of circumcision and I'll just quickly go through them. But before we do, I wanted to do something so cool, hip, like really new, and have you scan a barcode and then it was going to take us to a screen and you were going to put in what word, like a word association game, and that was all going to come up on the screen and that just failed miserably. So I had a great idea but I didn't have the know-how to do it. So I'm apologising now. But what words would you say? What would you say about circumcision? Throw them out. What was that? Out. Ow. I don't, see, I don't feel that at all. Pardon? Eight. The number eight. Ah, as in, yes, okay. Eight days. I don't know if I will explain that in a minute. Anything else? I think we're on the same page. Yeah, I think so. Anything else? No? Covenant. Covenant. Top marks. Come to the front of the class, Timothy. Very good. Who was it? Daniel. Top student. Okay, so two different types. Isn't it cute? Two different types of circumcision. One is a medical circumcision that we still, actually both of them are still practised today. The medical circumcision actually is a little more brutal than the Jewish ritual, believe it or not. So that's the second one. So you've got the Jewish ritual, what's the original circumcision, and they had circumcisers who had a particular job and that was kind of like their job title and they would go into a Jewish home and they would circumcise the child eight eight day or when they were 13 years of age. Yeah, yeah. But actually the medical uh, circumcision that happens today is when a parent decides, of course, to whether or not they're going to circumcise their son. And actually they do a lot more now than than they do with the Jewish ritual. Would you believe it? Anyway, so that's the two different types of circumcisions. I am not talking about the medical one. I'm going to refer, when we talk about circumcision, to the first, the Jewish ritual, um, and Daniel nailed it on their head, the covenant. Um, The other thing I'm going to mention, 
is that I'll talk about fleshly desires or desires of the flesh. I am not going to go into loads of different, a list of what they might be, but there are some fleshly desires that we have that are harmful to us and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit settle on you so that um, you can be convicted of what they are in your heart. Does that make sense? I'm not going to go through a list of things and say these are harmful to you because I'm Melissa and you're not Melissa. So what's harmful to me might not be harmful to you, but there are some that are harmful to all of us, obviously, but I just really want the Spirit to speak to you tonight about that. Are you okay with that? Okay. All right, so we'll go to the passage. I've got the clicker. Do you want to do it? Okay, so I'll read this passage. I've got warning down the bottom because it's kind of a heavy, ouch, passage. From Romans 2, 17 to 29. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law and you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants. You know what's right because you've been taught his law. You're convinced that you're a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in the darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach the children, teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonour God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you're no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks or receives praise from God, not from people. Ouch, can you imagine receiving that letter? This is a time when Paul, this is a letter written by Paul to um, the Corinthians in Rome. At the time, you have two kinds of people in the church. You've got the Jewish people in the church who follow the letter of God's law to the dot circumcision is a completely, it's so important. It's such an important ritual because it's their law. It's the old law. But you're, you're also at a time when Paul's writing this under a new covenant. And you're also, um, you have to uh, picture a church at the time with these Jewish people living under the old covenant. And at the same time, they're in a church with the Gentiles who are new converts to Christianity. So they don't follow the old laws that the Jews do, they're new. And so they're under Jesus' new covenant. 
Um, so you can kind of understand a little bit of the tension that might be happening in the church at the time when they received this letter from Paul. He basically is accusing them of hypocrisy. And he's not just pointing the finger at the Jewish people, he's pointing the finger at the Gentiles as well. Because the Jewish people are so um, obedient to the old law, they don't partake in what the Gentiles or the new Christians are partaking in. So the Gentiles are partaking in um, drunkenness, they're also um, participating in prostitution, they um, idolise pagan um, idols, things like that. So there's a real tension in the church at the time that Paul's writing this letter. Now I want to, Andy's um, asked me to talk on true circumcision, so I feel like I need to start with the old law to get to where we are today. So strap your seats, strap yourselves in your seat. We've got well, how many hours have we got, Dave? If I start from Genesis. Okay. <laughs> so if we start from Genesis, yeah, to Adam and Eve. Just with this slide, you can almost feel God's frustration with humanity. He's not, fr- he's not frustrated by his creation, but he's frustrated with his creation of men. With Adam and Eve, you know, they, they break the law. God, they break God's law. They commit um, sin. They bring sin into the world. And, um, yeah, really upset God, don't they? And then you go to Noah. You get to Noah who by this stage, God is just so frustrated by everything that's going on. It, humanity is destroying itself and the earth. So he floods the earth. But he saves Noah, a good, righteous man, and he makes a covenant with Noah and his family. He's going to protect them, but he's also going to make sure that he never again floods the earth and destroys it. I think what... Um, I just lost what my point was going to be. Anyway, 10 years later, I'll come back to it. 10 years later, not 10 years later, I said 10 years before, didn't I? It's not 10 years later, it's the 10th descendant, you come to Abraham. So you've got the 10th descendant of Adam and Eve, you come to Noah. The 10th descendant of Noah, you come to Abraham. Now you get to Abraham The earth and humanity are destroying themselves yet again. You've had the Tower of Babel in the middle of that. Um, God is just completely frustrated, right? So he makes another promise. I remember my point. He makes another promise through a covenant to bless Abraham and all of his descendants. The point that I wanted to make was we, we use the word covenant, but we really need to try to grasp the idea of what a covenant is. Now, I could spend quite a bit of time going through the actual rituals of a covenant. There's a lot of blood involved, a fair bit of death of sacrificing with the animals and things like that. But when humans make a covenant with God, they have to go through a whole list of things in order to make this covenant with God, to prepare it, to do it. When God makes a covenant with us, it's got to be even more important than that, right? And I feel like we're in such an awesome place of privilege to have God say, I am making a covenant with you. God doesn't break his covenants, his promises. So I just wanted to put that out there. 
So he's really frustrated with, um, you know, humanity, but um, it's a little bit like, I guess, um, my parenting. I know God is very much like the perfect father, isn't he? I get frustrated by my kids, but it's with the choices they make. And that's the same with God. He's frustrated not... He's not frustrated by us. He's frustrated with the choices that we continually make, mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. So Adam's desires of the flesh brought about sin. And then, like I said, from Adam to Noah, humanity just kept heaping on itself violence and destruction. You know, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about the evolution of man, but I don't really think from Adam to Abraham They really evolved very much. They seem to make the same mistake constantly. But then the tenth tenth descendant of... Is it the the tenth descendant of Abraham that's Jesus? No. Right, okay. I'm glad you're here. You get to Jesus. And what's really, really cool about that, um, coming to Jesus, I'll get to a little bit later on. Have you guys ever heard of bad choice bad consequence? Has anyone ever said that to you? Or am I the only parent that ever says that? Right. Make a bad choice, there's always a bad consequence. So God's no different, is he? But he made a covenant with Noah, made a covenant with Abraham, made a few covenants with Abraham and like I said, he doesn't break his promise to his people. He His covenant is his word that's never broken. We really need to grasp how important that is. In um, Genesis 17, verses 7 to 8, it says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. This is God speaking to Abraham. After you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants and I'll give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants and it will be their possession forever and I'll be their God. So covenants were a really big deal for people in the Old Testament. They went to extreme lengths. Now, um, I don't know, do you feel like that's awesome? Do you feel like God making a covenant with you is awesome or God, God making, like God, the creator of the universe, making a covenant with you? I don't, I don't know, but I felt like that was really significant. It was awesome to know that he makes covenants with us. Um, so, talking about covenants, why on earth, why on earth would God choose circumcision? Tattoo might be okay, maybe a spit handshake. I'm pretty sure that it'd be easier for guys than a circumcision. But we know that God is God and he kind of knows what he's doing. So if you think back to Adam and Eve, whose desires of the flesh, so the start, the desires of their flesh caused sin in the first place, it kind of makes sense when you, when you look that there's been no change that flesh has to be put to death. So when you get to Abraham, perhaps, I don't know for certain if this is why circumcision was chosen, but it makes sense that if flesh needs to be put to death and he gets to Abraham, humanity keeps making the same mistakes over and over, it's a way of saying we need to put this flesh to death. We need to cut it off. I don't know if that's why he chose circumcision. Maybe it's a question for heaven, for you men. But I... 
I feel like our fleshly desires that harm us, we need to put them to death even today. Anyway, um, now I just want to say that God is crazy. His plans are kind of wild because even though we have old law covenants that required certain painful circumcisions, he did have a plan and he is kind of crazy. So watch this. From the covenant made with Abraham through King David's line, so the covenant made with Abraham, he was going to multiply and bless and protect his descendants. Through the line of King David, you have and you come to Jesus who bought with him the new covenant because he paid the ultimate price for the entire human race by sacrificing his own flesh, didn't he? And so he defeated sin and death. And who was set free? Us. All of us. That's pretty awesome. If Jesus had been circumcised, the new covenant might not have happened. If that's all that Jesus did, if he'd just, been, if he'd just gone through the Jewish ritual of circumcision only and he didn't sacrifice his entire flesh, there may not have been a new covenant. So, going back to, should I go just go back to the passage? Going back to um, the letter to the Romans. Knowing how important the ritual of circumcision then is for the Jewish people and how right on the money they thought they were by sticking to that old law, you can kind of start seeing why there's a big tension with the Gentiles. If we look at 17 to 25, I'm not going to read it again. Um, But, you know, it's a harsh word for them to have heard. And I think that it's a letter that still remains really relevant to us today, as it did to them then. And then, although we're not bound by a ritual of circumcision as um, Christians, so they do still practice, the Jewish um, culture still do practice circumcision as a ritual, but we aren't bound by the ritual of circumcision. It does touch on the struggles that are relevant for all of us today. And like I said earlier, some of those struggles are going to be different for you than they are for me. And some that are really difficult for me won't be as difficult for you. We might not... um, You know, he talks about... Uh, drunkenness, he talks about prostitution and the idolising of pagan gods and even though he, you know, we wouldn't put that into um, those words what we struggle with, you can see, you can almost, I don't know if the Spirit's speaking to you but you can almost see that there are just things out there that we do struggle with as people today um, that are closely related to that stuff and we're constantly being watched, aren't we? Because we're all guilty of a desire of the flesh that might harm us and we're very quickly called hypocrites by people um, who are not Christians out in the world when we do something um, against what they believe we ought to be doing. So these verses are not to condemn us. I asked Dave to play um, some songs that were about freedom because I think that if you really look at these verses... They offer us a chance to really look inwards at the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. 
They offer us the opportunity to make what Andy asked me to speak on, true circumcision. They offer us the opportunity to make a true circumcision of our hearts, to cut off anything that stops us from living a really fruitful, a really blessed life under God. And there's that little reminder, it's only a very small verse, a little reminder about um, you're not a true Jew just because you're born of Jewish parents and a lot of us are born into Christian homes and we can't just assume that because we're from a Christian home that we've got it sorted, that we're right. There it does come a time, and I will speak particularly to the younger guys, there does come a time where you actually need to just kind of hop off the coattails of your... Does everyone know what a coattail is? Okay, it's like a, it's like a, um, a jacket that looks a bit like a penguin at the back. It's a tuxedo. Anyway, don't worry. The train of your parents' faith, you need to get off at some point and find your own because you're not, um, as it says, just because you're born of Jewish parents there doesn't mean that you are, you know, you, you, it doesn't mean that you're, um, or that they say here you've gone through the, the ceremony of circumcision. It doesn't mean that you're a true Christian just because you're born into a Christian home. So if you picture, if you've pictured how difficult it must have been at the time of receiving this letter in this church with the Jews and the Gentiles at loggerheads with one another, very tense, it was quite an unpopular thing for them to have heard and I imagine it would be quite unpopular today as well. But the challenge is exactly the same back then as it is today which is why it's so relevant. I love this because it's so relevant to us today, even from the Old Testament. And I love preaching from passages in the New Testament, but I love referring back to the Old Testament because what I don't know, I've got to learn. And it's really, when you go back to the Old Testament, it's not boring. It's related to the New Testament. That's just a challenge for you. Um, But do we take offence to it? Do we take offence to being told that the way we're doing life, the way our faith is, do we take offence to that like I'm sure they must have back then? Or do we take it as an opportunity to really check our hearts? In verse 29 it says, whose heart is right with God. A change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart receives seeks uh, sorry seeks and receives praise from God not from people and it really when you think about the circumcision of the heart a true circumcision it does come back to unhelpful desires of the flesh because what controls those it's our hearts isn't it our minds and our hearts it's what that our hearts long for that gets us in trouble sometimes so they have to be renewed and circumcised But don't fear because we don't have to do it on our own. Nobody can actually circumcise their heart or renew their heart on their own. You cannot do it. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6, you may have heard me say this before, a morning church, I love this. The first part of verse 6 says, The Lord your God will change your heart. So he's going to help you change your heart toward him. He's going to help you change your heart towards others. 
And I know, I hope you don't mind me picking on you, Tim, but, you know, Tim was sharing with the youth group on Friday night that he had, um, he needed God to help him kind of change his heart and see through God's eyes to certain situations and you were able to, right, with God's help, kind of. Still getting there day to day, like this is a day to day thing, seriously. And he's not offended that we don't quite cut it on our own. He's said years and years ago, hasn't he? And he says it to us today I will help renew your heart. I will ask me, I will help you change your heart. But this is a bit of a warning. There's pain in a physical circumcision. I, you know, they probably didn't do it with this. But this is a really good, this is just a good prop, okay? There's pain in a physical circumcision. There definitely is. And when we truly circumcise and renew our hearts, I hate to say it, but there's pain in that as well. Because if we're truly honest with each other and with ourselves, actually it feels really comfortable to hold on to things that we probably should get rid of. It feels really good to hold on to bitterness sometimes. It's comforting to hold on to grudges and things like that. It's actually quite comforting. So there's pain in getting rid of it and it feels like the process of actually circumcising your heart, changing, renewing your, your, your mind, your heart, your soul, actually feels like there's, it's a cutting away of stuff. But this is something you've got to know if you don't already. God is wild. I told you before God's crazy. He's wild. He's wild crazy. He is. Because his thoughts toward us and for us are wild. Yes, there's pain in cutting away things that make us or help us or keep us comfortable. But God's ways are so much higher and wilder than we can imagine Going back to the 60s and 70s, I admit I was born in the late 70s, so I was not there. But going back to the 60s and the 70s, it was a generation of counterculturalism. Those who lived through those eras, would you say that? People were countercultural. It was cool then to be defiant. It was cool not to be the same as everybody else. Would you believe that that's what God's like? Would you believe that he's defiant? He's counterculture, countercultural. He's wild, he really is. I'm going to keep saying it. In our home group on Wednesday night, Luke's here, so he'll remember. In our home group on Wednesday night, we're listening to a guy called Eric Johnson. We assume he's Bill Johnson's son, um, but he's a great guy. If you've never listened to a podcast from him, have a listen. He's fantastic. And he was telling us about this guy, he was reminding us about this guy called Gideon. Does everyone know Gideon? Okay, he was kind of a nobody, really. He was, a, he was an Israelite man and he, was, um, he worked in the field threshing wheat. But God sent an angel to Gideon and he said to him, mate, you're about to become a hero. He's told to gather an army together to fight the Midianites. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but the, so the Midianites were horrible people. They were cruel. The Israelites pretty much tried to hide from them in caves all the time. I think that they were persistent in their cruelty. 
So here's this nobody guy told to form an army to fight the Midianites. I'd be petrified. Anyway, he gathers an army. He's not only gathering an army to fight the Midianites, but the Midianites' allies as well. Now in the Bible it says, in Judges, it says that the army was as um, like a swarm of locusts and that their camels, their livestock, was, were as many as the grains of sand on the beach. So too many to count. And here's this guy, this kind of farmer, asked to create an army to defeat these, um, these horrible, horrible um, soldiers. Gideon assembles an army. God's asked him to do it. Of course he's going to assemble an army. God's going to come and and help him assemble the army. So he assembles an army of about 32,000 men. Sounds like an awful lot, doesn't it? But God's thoughts were higher than Gideon's. I told you God's crazy. God's wild crazy. He says to Gideon, too many. What? Sorry? I've just got an army together for you, 32,000 people, and you're telling me that I've got a cult, it's too many. So Gideon has a chat to the army and about 22,000 of them leave. He's left with 10,000. Oh, he must have thought, oh, I wasn't going to do it before. I'm definitely not going to be able to do it now. Okay, God, I've got 10,000. God's wild. He's crazy. Too many, Gideon. Get rid of him. If you want to read the story yourself in more detail, it's very good. In the end, there's 300 of them. But with 300, even though Gideon thought he knew how to handle a situation, Gideon thought he um, was doing the right thing, he won. They won the battle with 300 men. So God's ways are crazy wild. Faith makes a fool of what makes sense, right? I'll say that again. And that comes from a line in the Hillsong song, by the way. It's not my line. Faith makes a fool of what makes sense. And how often do we think like Gideon? And of course we do, because we're only human. We're hardly wild people as much as we all think we are. We are hardly wild. God is so much wilder. He made a new covenant with us through Jesus so that we can be defiant, so that we can live defiant lives by genuinely surrendering our hearts to him. So humility, who would have thought that humility, being on your knees, is wild, is crazy? But it is, that's the way God works. Quick story of how God can, uh, his ways are just so much higher than ours. So um, some of you know that um, I was coaching the under-14 soccer team and the other coach, I was assisting with another coach and the other coach uh, just happened to like, not like me, just didn't, didn't like me. Um, I have no idea why but just really didn't like me and actually was kind of mean sometimes. I got really hurt, like I, re- I really got hurt, <laughs> I felt really offended and I, I was a bit teary and I, I wanted to, you know, be really self-righteous about it and I wanted to, you know, well, why wouldn't you like me, you know, you can imagine the kind of language going on in my head. Chloe and I went for a, um, 
a ride, a run through the bush. And Chloe was saying to me, Mum, I can't believe that people are still mean when they're adults and, you know, you're bullied when you're an adult. And, you know, I could have said to Chloe, I wanted to say to Chloe, I know, what a, what a horrible person, right? I'm sure I would have used those words. What a horrible person. <laughs> How dare she? And I'm, I've done nothing wrong. But I said to Chloe, do you know what? That's what I could do. And that's what people who don't know my crazy wild God might do. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to wear this offence. I'm not going to be upset by her comments. I'm not going to feel like I... I, I'm just not going to wear it. So what we can do, Chloe, is we can pray that I don't wear it. That I... Right now, we were praying, weren't we, Chloe? She was riding, I'm running. And we were praying and just praying that I wouldn't wear it, that... And we prayed for this lady who doesn't have a God to go to, who doesn't have a crazy God whose ways are higher. Who would have thought that being on your knees, being humble was crazy, was defiant? But it's, defi- it's being defiant against what the world expects. And that's what I really love. It's so cool to react in a way that's completely the opposite to how the rest of the world is reacting. And we see that right now, don't we? With stuff that's going on at the moment. On both sides of the camp, Christians and not Christians, the way that they're being really horrible to one another. So regardless of whether or not we say we're Christians, just like the Jewish people were, we need to check our hearts to make sure that our ways are God's ways, that they're as high as his ways that we're on our knees, that we're humble in our wildness and our craziness. Right, circumcision, we need to find some sutures to stitch this up. We all have fleshly desires that need surrendering, like I said before, but we're under a beautiful new covenant in Jesus and he's already done that for us, so it's done, the job's done. We can surrender But we can't change, like I said, our hearts on our own. We really need to rely on the Holy Spirit to be more like him. Jesus left us, his spirit, to work in us. That's why I said to you before, I don't want to call out any list of things that we're struggling with because I think that the spirit works in us as people are talking or, you know, later when the band's playing, you might really feel a sense of, oh, gosh, I've, oh, I don't feel really good about that at all, you know. I need to surrender that. We need the Holy Spirit. He's wild. He's defiant. He's countercultural. So as we lead, Dave and the team, as we lead into, and Andy, into communion, I had thought about having, you know, a shredder, and, you know, writing down things that maybe the Spirit had moved you to think about, perhaps. Um, and, you know, you shred it, get rid of it. But we're leading into communion where it's a time where we come under the new covenant and re- we remember the new covenant. We remember Jesus and what he did for us. So whilst the band are just playing, they're going to play. Um, they're not going to sing, they're just going to play. Maybe we could just take a couple of minutes or a minute, you know, whatever, just to really think about the things that the Holy Spirit, he might be pressing stuff on you right now and you feel like you might need just to want to let it go. There is so much freedom 
in being humble. We all know this. I'm preaching to the converted here, really. You guys know this stuff. But it's such a warning, isn't it, reading that. You guys think you know. You know, if you read it, you know, it says, well then, if you, why don't you? You know, like it's really um, confronting language. And it's not just confronting for the church back then, but for us today. So I'd just really love to pray for you. And then we might just, just let the Holy Spirit just, you know, cleanse you, make you whole, make you flow, like, you know, make your, your spirit flow where there's no blockages. You know, we all want that, right? So that we can be a light to the world. But you can't really do that when there's blockages. Tim's a plumber. I am picking on you. I'm sorry, Tim. Tim's a plumber. So he gets those white PVC pipes, you know, they get blocked, don't they, Tim, sometimes? And you need to clear them. And it's kind of like that. We need to really keep ourselves clear. And you don't just clear it once. You've got to keep clearing it all the time and surrendering all that stuff to God. So, Heavenly Father, I just really thank you for your word. I thank you for, oh, Lord, your love for us. Lord, I thank you for... The old law, I thank you for the old law that was so beautiful, Lord, and so relevant. But Lord, I thank you even more that we're under a new covenant. Father, I thank you that all we need to offer you is ourselves and you, Lord, do the work. And Holy Spirit, I just want to pray for everybody tonight that whatever it is that you might be pressing on them, if you are, Lord, pressing anything on them, Father, I just really pray that they would feel your love, that, Lord, they would feel the freedom that comes from just getting rid of it all, from cutting it off and just being completely surrendered to you. We lift up your name. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen.